Haven't done much study on it, apart from the last couple of weeks. Um, so it's really kind of interesting learning a little bit more about, uh, you know, this, this thing that we're looking at, the Reformation uh, that's going on, 500th anniversary. I'm going to be looking at faith and grace uh, this morning and uh, how faith and grace is just so uh, integral to, to our faith as Christians. And um, uh, I want to give you a little bit of a snapshot history of the Reformation, if that's possible. Uh, for those people that don't uh, know what that is, and, and maybe uh, some of the younger uh, guys in here today uh, aren't totally sure, some of the older people might be like, I ain't got a clue either. Um, so I just wanted to give you a little bit of a, a, a pricey, as it were, because I've been, I've been reading quite a lot over the last couple of weeks, as um, those in the office will know. Uh, I've been kind of talking a lot about Martin Luther and this, that and the other. And they're like, yeah, Gary, we've been at Spurgeon's, we've done that, you know. And then Sarah's kind of in the office going, wow, what, you're telling me something else about it. I said, yeah, come on, it's great stuff. So um, Martin Luther is the guy uh, that is kind of uh, integral and key to part of this. And uh, I, I was um, at the Christian Resources Exhibition on Thursday, and there's a whole little section of books which I wouldn't normally go to the Reformation book section. But because I was speaking, I was like, actually, I'm quite interested. I'm flicking through some of them. And I came across uh, one of these books, and it was Martin and Katie. His wife was called Katie. I was pleased at that. <laughs> what a great name for a wife. I'll just say that. If you don't know, my wife's name is Katie. Um, so actually, Nick uh, Jenkins gave us all a copy of this uh, a number of uh, weeks ago, and it's a brief history of the church, particularly in, in England, and it talks so much about the Reformation, and it's really, really interesting stuff, and, and, and fantastic what people have gone through over hundreds of years ago that we take for granted, uh, which I want to look at this morning. So I want to give you a little bit of a, um, a background. Uh, so it's 500 years ago, this, this, he was a religious studies lecturer called Martin Luther. He nailed a piece of paper to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church in Germany. I'm going to stick. There we go. There he is. And um, if you can't see that, it says, I went viral before viral was cool. Everyone was talking about what he did. And uh, a little bit there says, no, the door was fine. I'm just fixing, fixing your theology, uh, which we'll have a look at in a little bit. But this guy nailed these 95 reasons why the Pope at the time was wrong in saying that people could be forgiven for their sins for payment to the church, known as indulgences. Uh, plus, there was a few other issues he had as well. So, as we know, the church has been established through Christ, the disciples. Uh, the early church then went through a lot of persecution, uh, many thousands being martyred uh, for their faith in Jesus. In the fourth century... Emperor Constantine claimed to have a vision and the church was looked upon with royal favour. Uh, many flocked to join the church because of the emperor's involvement. Um, but unfortunately, they took a lot of pagan ideas and superstitions. And, uh, the, you know, the state and uh, these were kind of known as heresies that came about. Um, a lot of the basic uh, understandings of the Christian faith were twisted and warped and uh, we know these as heresies. But the state and the church were now brought together. Okay. Um, 
the emperor summoned the council of Nicaea to deal with the situation with all of these um, weird heresies and things that were being said. And um, this is actually where the creed was established, and we just sung that song. So what we're singing is something that was put back hundreds of years ago to kind of like say, this is what we're about. This is who we serve. This is our Christ. Okay? Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a statement. which So many of us sing it. Uh, the church went through many changes. Uh, major splits happened when the Pope, uh, just after the reign of Charlemagne, he self-proclaimed that he was the sole head of the church on earth. That was it. A lot of people didn't like that. Um, it's interesting that as Islam increased, uh, the Crusades came about to drive out the infidel. We were driving out the infidel. Interesting now that that word is now used for those to be driven out of uh, certain areas. Um, very interesting there. The Crusades um, needed funding, and huge sums of money were raised to continue the war for nearly 200 years. And it was around the 15th century that the New Testament was translated into Latin. And actually, it's at that point that many scholars were shocked at the difference between the teaching of the Holy Roman Church and Jesus and the Apostles. The indulgences, or the payment for forgiveness of sins that the Church had established, now became the subject of a need to reform. It's interesting that many people had actually tried to reform the church before, but unfortunately they realised that a lot of their wealth depended on some of these indulgences. Didn't quite work. Um, And the significance of the church that Martin Luther nailed his piece of paper uh, to the door, the list, uh, it was where a lot of these indulgences were happening. In fact, uh, there were 17,000 or so relics in that church that people would go to, to observe, pay their money, and their sins would be forgiven. Um, Some of these supposed relics were, and you're going to like these, the rock on on which Jesus stood when he wept over Jerusalem, the gown of the Virgin Mary, and some of her breast milk. I don't even want to go there thinking about that one. 35 portions of the cross, straw from the manger in Bethlehem, some hair of Christ, his coat and his belt, and a complete skeleton of a a small child murdered by Herod at Bethlehem. These were some of the relics that you could go to and you could pay your money to see them. And um, when you'd pay your money, your stay in purgatory or hell, Shoal, Gehenna, which we read about in scripture, you'd be reduced by a certain amount of years. Would you like to know how many years? 127,709 years and 116 days. Not totally sure how they came to those figures. Must have been a fantastic calculator uh, over 500 years or so ago. But that was it. I could, this is just crazy. Just, so through hearing just a little pop history of of the early church, you can see how people's faith has been abused, how grace has been abused, and how it took the bravery of someone like Martin Luther, nailing his thesis to the church door that saw the start of enlightening people with the true teaching of Jesus. The enlightening teaching that Luther, John Calvin, and many brought saw thousands of followers 
come to know Jesus and start to follow these teachings. Unfortunately, some people saw this opportunity to persecute those people, certain people. Uh, and the Anabaptists, uh, the rebaptizers, they were called, um, they had adopted believers' baptism, not infant baptism. Thousands, thousands of them were slaughtered for something that we do right here. Amazing to think that actually rebaptizing someone would actually lose your life for it. However, these things didn't obviously deter um, the, the reforming of the church. And eventually it got to the point where each one of us now has access to the word of God. We can read it, we can digest it, we can be led by the spirit as we read it. Um, And it helps us to understand now the teaching of Jesus Christ and the true meaning of what it is to be a Christian. So I want us to turn to Scripture. Don't want to just be me talking. Let's turn to Scripture, shall we? And um, look at some uh, passages which um, I think we can look at that uh, talk about grace and faith that we have been given. Um, Here are those scriptures. So, I don't know if you've got, you've got probably got more fingers than I have to put um, your fingers into pages, etc. But I'm going to go through these a little bit and just start to look at um, some of the grace and the faith that we've kind of been given by Jesus because we have access to read it. And we'll start off in Romans. Now, Romans is a fantastic starting point for us. Uh, Romans 1. Uh, is brilliant. I mean, all of Romans. I mean, the whole Bible's great, but Romans is really, really good. I was talking to Ian about it. It's just so much in there that kind of just gives us that real glimpse into uh, Paul's thinking about his father. And uh, we just sung, great is thy faithfulness, and the things that we said, etc. You know, Romans 1 talks about the created order around us, and God's beautiful creation, and um, everything we see gives glory uh, to him. And then um, it kind of then starts talking about the wrath and the anger of God. So it gets straight in there and how mankind has turned from this created order and turned to wickedness. Worshipping false gods, committing sinful acts. I mean, this is where we see, you know, Paul talking about men with men and women with women. And it says that God gives them over there to their depravity. There's greed, envy, murder, arrogance, there's gossips. And disobedient to parents. To all you old people that are in here, all right? Disobedient to parents. So it's in there with greed and envy and murder. Shocking. <laughs> Let's put that there. I'm in trouble now with that lot, I tell you now. <laughs> you look at the world today and, and not a lot has changed, has it? In fact, I think it's got worse, unfortunately. Romans 2 kicks off by Paul saying, You've no excuse. You pass judgment on others and God will pass judgment on you. Um, Your stubbornness, your unrepentant heart is storing up God's wrath on judgment day. This is not easy stuff from Paul. Uh, Romans 3 doesn't get any better. From verse 9, Paul collates uh, a number of Old Testament verses from Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, reinforcing to the people in Rome that they fall short. And I'm going to read that, uh, verse 9 to 18. It says, what shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that the Jews and the Gentiles alike are all under sin, as it is written. 
There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. As I read that, I'm like, woe is me without Jesus Christ. Woe is me. Because I fall into that category. I fall into that category. However, Paul, as we know, loves to encourage people. And he starts to encourage. And verse 21, I'm going to read through to 24. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Amen, Paul. Thanks for writing that. <laughs> you get to that point, don't you? Or just like after, after what he's, I've just read out before that, of just, woe is me, I can't take it. And then he's just like, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second. So I love this part in verse 24. It says, we're justified freely by his grace through uh, redemption that came through Christ himself. Take all that rubbish and all that stuff that Paul says we are guilty of in that early part of Romans and literally throw it away. Literally throw it away because of the sacrificial act of Jesus Christ. All it takes is one tiny act on our behalf in verse 22. Believe in him. Belief. Belief and understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Belief that he took all of that rubbish on himself, heaped on the cross, that we might go free. This is pure grace. This is unconditional love. Pure grace and unconditional love. Sounds a bit too easy, doesn't it? Well, it is. It's really easy. <laughs> I'm surprised the amount of people that I say, well, I could never become a Christian because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, really, honestly, X, Y, and Z, God will just totally get rid of that. Believe. We say, what's the catch? Well, there is none. We make excuses. Well, he can't forgive me that. And he says, yes, I can. But I did this. Yeah, I know. He says, I've paid for it through Jesus. I remember as a, as a young lad, um, on the way home from school, I could have only been eight or nine, on the way home from school, we'd always stop at Tesco's because mum had to get something uh, for dinner or whatever on the way home. And I, I found myself wandering away from her, finding the sweet aisle, Finding a pack of chewing gum, thinking mum will never pay for this. In the pocket it went, <clears throat> thank you very much. On the way home, thinking oh, I've got myself a nice packet of uh, chewing gum there, no one's going to find me out, until idiot boy here um, actually uh, has all of the chewing gum and leaves all the wrappers underneath my bed. 
And obviously mum comes in and tidying up the bedroom and uh, chewing gum wrappers. What are they doing there? As every eight-year-old child, I don't know. Don't mind. Must be my sister's, who's four. <laughs> At the time. You've stolen these, haven't you? You just know. When mum says that you've stolen, that's it. You've stolen, yes, yes, I have. Where did you get them from? Tesco's, on the way home from, right, okay. Literally, coat on, and by the time, we didn't have a car at the time, or dad was at the car, and uh, it was a good two-mile walk every single morning. To, to, So it was literally coat on, right, we're going. And we'd march, frog march me down to Tesco's, stand me in front of the manager, <laughs> and say, my son has stolen chewing gum from you. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> Better do something, because this is an angry mum. <laughs> going to do something. So um, she kind of, I'm oh, really sorry. I just, you know, just kind of fell in my pocket. And, you know, just, oh, I took them off the shelf and I put them in my pocket and they were really nice and I took them home. I'm really sorry. And he said, you know what? I could call the police on you. I could tell. He read the riot act. And my mum's like, <laughs> and and I was like, you know, I'm so sorry, kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I never stole anything ever again. What a lesson! What a lesson! But I could have, I could have had everything thrown at me. I know I was really young and everything. It was a, it was a good telling off. It was, it was. I never did that again. It was that actually. It was the grace of the storekeeper of the Tesco manager that said, "You know what? It's all right. Don't worry." Didn't even have to pay for it. <laughs> it was genius. I had chewing gum and never got to pay for it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We don't have to pay for it. Jesus pays for it all. That's what grace is about. I know it's only chewing gum, but for me, I can still remember that as a young child. And that's what comes back to me. He's like, I've forgiven you. You didn't have to pay for that chewing gum. The manager let you off. Told you off. You weren't right to do it. Go and do it no more. Jesus says, go and sin no more. And from that time on, I didn't want to steal anything because I knew mum would find out. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but just a little bit of a, a funny little story. But actually, um, we've, we've kind of made adult answers, I think, for, for some of the things that we're kind of uh, talking about grace and faith. And remember, Jesus says we're to have faith like a child to enter the kingdom of God. Um, Matthew 18, he talks about that. Um, and I just want to turn to Galatians uh, 3. Uh, 26 to 29. And I love this. I work with children and young people. I see the innocence of their faith and it questions my faith because I'm grown up and I kind of make my own ideas up now as an adult and then I see a child say something and I'm like, I'm blown away by that. Why am I blown away by that? It's actually because they've got this pure faith. It's, it's unabound, it's just I trust, I trust, I trust. Galatians 3 it says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I have three boys who will inherit my wealth. Who wants the iPhone? 
They are heirs. They are my sons. But each one of us, through the redeeming uh, act of Jesus on the cross, are now heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of God, adopted, taken into his family. Um, it's like, it's like uh, Ian and I have been talking about a book at the moment by Mark Stibby, as we want to look at with the young people about identity and understanding who our Father is in heaven. And it's literally like, you know, Jesus rocks up to the, the, the sinful orphanage where all of the orphans are so sinful, so evil. And it's just like, he literally goes up and he says, yeah, I want you. <laughs> I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. I want that one as well. Yeah, but I've done this. No, I want you. 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 I want all of you. All of you. I want all of you. Will you come? Will you be my kids? Do you want me to be your dad? Now, an orphan, he's more than likely he's going to go, yes, absolutely. I, I want to do that. I want a home. I want to be loved. I want to be secure. I want to be with parents. And I just want to show you a video. And this made me cry in the office this week. Actually, maybe fr- Friday morning. So I, I do apologise if this makes you cry. But of a little lad who received something at Christmas. It's a gift that didn't cost much money. Instead, it came from the heart. Can you read it? Yeah. Out loud? (laughs) 11-year-old Landon had no words, only tears, as he realized what this picture frame present meant. The boy from Oklahoma would be adopted by his mother's husband, and he would officially and legally have a stepfather. Daniel Rice came into Landon's life when he was just five months old. Their family of three grew to five. But for years, Landon was the only child who wasn't Dan's real son. Now, he will be. Who could ask for anything more? InsideEdition.com, I'm Lee Sheps. Excellent. I watched two or three of those. I was sobbing, absolutely sobbing. It's a great one of a, a police officer who adopts two lads as well in America who go to this um, gym as well. And he's got no wife, he's a total bachelor. And uh, he says, these boys need a home. And he adopts them. And I, I just, that reaction of that little boy got to me. Because actually, whilst I've got a father, whilst I'm a father to three, for so many, it's all of us, it's actually, that's the reaction we need to have when we realise that through Jesus Christ we're adopted. We've got our adoption certificate. You know, we get, you know that boy getting that on Christmas Day was awesome. But we are heirs in Christ, and I love that. A young child wants to please their parents. Um, as they grow older, not so. Um, the younger they are, do you remember getting, you know, you got, you got little ones over there and you've got little drawings and pictures that come home and you're like, oh, what a lovely picture of this potato with arms <laughs> and legs on it and, and as they get a little bit older, that potato is then hit by a rocket and it blows up. But it's still a picture for mummy and daddy and as they get a little bit older, less pictures come. 
and uh, you go to Holiday Bible Club and you've got all these little things that they've made and you put it on the windows and it's lovely. And then at a certain age they go, shh, 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 bin. Um, but actually, guys from Delve, when was the last time you drew a picture for your mum or dad? Exactly. <laughs> Mortally wounded. But as a young child, we want to do nothing but please our parents, make them things, create things. As we grow a little bit older, they become more of a taxi service, the bank, um, you know, I want this, I need this, you need to supply it because you're my parent kind of thing. That's the attitude we kind of end up with our Father in Heaven as we grow up. I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need, I need. And actually what God wants from us is nothing for us to just to please him, to just draw a picture for him, a picture that is our lives, of the beauty of our lives, and just actually start to do things for him in the way that a child was, not childish, but childlike. Our faith needs to be childlike. We should be constantly looking to please God, to draw in that picture, to create him something that he can go, that's great, I love it. The great thing is about God, he never swishes it off of the mantelpiece, he just sticks, this is great, look what they've done, it's awesome, it's awesome. Yeah, I know you did that wrong, but that is awesome, look at that, yeah, just deal with that. Jesus has dealt with that. That is the grace that we have. Hebrews 11, let's turn to that as well. Hebrews 11. Just five and six. Really simple. By, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earn, earnestly seek him. Enoch, we don't read much about him. Right at the very beginning of the Bible, it is only he and Elijah in Scripture that tell us were taken from earth. They were gone. Enoch must have pleased God in such a great way that he didn't actually suffer human death. He was then with God. Something about that. What picture had Enoch drawn for his father? What life had he lived for his father? Where the father goes, look at that, I'm sticking that on the fridge. Yes, love it. Are we painting pictures like Enoch? My concern is that we're in danger of slipping into a pre-Reformation way in our relationship with God. And let me explain that. People were being abused because they didn't have access to the scriptures. There was only the religious leaders that could read the Bible until the scholars. And even at the time when they translated into Latin, it was then only the lecturers and the intelligent people that could read scripture so they could still abuse people. It wasn't until guys like me could actually then read and write. And I've got access to that. I think we're living in a society now where actually, and I know it, statistics say that Christians are reading the Bible less and less. We're spending less time in prayer. And we're spending a lot more time listening to other stuff. Noise. 
Elute spoke a couple of weeks ago to the young people and said, what are you listening to? Noise or sounds? Noise is everything around us. The hubbub, the, the bustle, the so-and-so said this and the newspaper said that and the, that says that as well. Kev talked about the news. It's all bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. The noise, 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 constant. Are we listening to the sounds? The individual little sounds, that little small whisper that is God just saying something into your life. We are listening more and more to what others say about God as well. And I find as well, and I've said this before, I find when I stop doing that, I start to do stuff in my own strength. And that's where I start to fail. Um, I think people are being abused at the moment uh, about you know some of the things that are out there some of the things that have been saying about Jesus, some of the things that have been saying about, said about this book. But, yeah, Genesis don't really matter, does it? Only poetry. No, I don't want to read that bit in Romans that Paul says. I don't want to read that. It's too challenging. It's too challenging. And there's people out there that are called wolves in sheep's clothing that will tell us not to read that. The deceiver is behind all of this. We've been warned. Some dodgy stuff being preached out there, I know, because I've heard it, I've read it, I've seen it. All of us have. But if we're not checking it against this, we're not checking it against the word of God. If we're not reading this, then we are no better than those people pre-Reformation that are just listening. Oh, you know, pay my money, go and listen to them. I'm not saying it's a total par, but I'm just kind of like reflecting on that a little bit. The deceiver wants to whisper in our itching ears. Let's be really careful because we need to understand what the Spirit of God is saying through his word. It pleases God when we spend time with him. It pleases him. Paint a picture by picking up your scriptures and reading it, by praying more. It's a challenge for all of us, I think. I'm worried for the next generation <laughs> that... that Read it less and less as well. Yes, you've got your Bible on your phone and everything else like that, but it's it's a danger. And I'm, I'm I am actually genuinely worried as a youth worker about our next generation. We're here to teach them, so we need to help them along. But if we're not putting it in, how do we encourage them? Um, I, I compare it a little bit to being able to vote. You know, millions died in World War II for us to have the freedom to vote. Thousands of people died so that we could have this translated for us to read every single day. For us to close it and not bother reading it is actually not very nice for those people um, that gave their lives for it. So we need to get back to his word and we need to get rejoicing. And the last bit is Romans 5. Um, I'm not going to end on anything bad but Romans 5 I love this is one of my as I call it life scriptures many of the young people know this is my one of my life scriptures I love it and uh, some of them have started adopting it now which is brilliant I love it Um, let's read this bit it says therefore since we have been justified through faith so remember what Paul said you believe that Jesus that's our faith in him That is enough. We don't need to do anything more. 
that because we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We need to be Christians full of joy, even in our suffering. If nothing else was given to us, the fact that grace alone saves us, that is enough to rejoice. The fact that we, as Christians who believe in Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, will not burn in the lake of fire, but will have eternity with Jesus Christ, I'm in. I'm in on that alone. Forget whether I've got three kids, a wife, a house, a job, and I live in Billericay. That alone, that Jesus Christ bled and died on the cross for me, so I don't have to spend eternity in torment, according to what the scriptures say, is enough for me. Is enough for me. It's too many of us. I'm, I'm a glass half full guy, as many of you know. And I know there's plenty of us that feel sometimes we haven't even got a glass, let alone it half full. Okay? And I understand that. We're all different. We're all different characters. But God calls us. He says, be joyful even in your sufferings because people see you. And if they know that you're a Christ, if you're moping around, moaning, complaining all the time with a terrible Christian character, what's the point? It's actually defaming God. And and hear me right, I totally understand that a lot of us go through stuff. I'm not wanting to belittle that at all, okay? But we need to be people of joy. Now, suffering produces perseverance. Come on, keep going. Come on. Talks about a cloud of witnesses being there in us, in, in in our strife in life. Perseverance produces character. The more we go through something, the more we're able to be stronger when something else hits us again. It produces that character in us, that character that is becoming more like Christ. And that character produces hope. Hope that will be, I will spend eternity with Jesus Christ because of what he's done on the cross. And that promise that he's told me, I will be there. That is my hope. That is my hope. That is my hope. The Jedi Master, that is Yoda, says a fantastic quote in Star Wars. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And I'm saying to Yoda, ah, yeah, but Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. A new hope.
Many of us do suffer in life, and I totally understand that. And I'm not going, you know, when, when we go through things, it, it is difficult, it is so hard. When I go through stuff, and I've said this to a lot of the young people and, and some others, I'll say it to Ian a lot, we're kind of like moaning and complaining, <laughs> whatever it might be. He said, have we considered Evie? And I'll talk about Evie Ferris, and I know she hates it when I do it, but I will do. Because I look at that young lady and understand the suffering and the things that she's going through. And I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. This week when she climbed Snowden, she climbed Snowden, she's awesome. And I know that I've prayed for her and many of us have prayed for her and, and doctors and all this kind of stuff. And then to see her at the top of Snowden walking there just brought such joy to my heart. Perseverance. Developing her character. Romans, that passage in Romans is one of yours as well now, isn't it? It's giving her that hope. And it needs to for every single one of us. Every single one of us. And I love that bit. It says, you know, Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph is talking to his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The enemy wants to harm us. Every single day he wants to harm us. But God is going to turn it for good. He's going to turn it for good. So as I, I, as I finish, I urge you, get stuck into this word. All right? This is our lifeline. All right? This is our lifeline. Get praying. Get rejoicing. Careful who you're listening to. That even includes me. So I might say something wrong. And if I do, test it through scripture. Test Ian through what he says, because a lot of the stuff he says, no, some of the stuff he says might be... That's the thing, isn't it? We might stay up here and, and preach, but actually we might say something wrong or an error. I love it when Ian's in, because he can actually pick up on things and say, actually, you might have said that wrong. That's you know, iron sharpening iron. Have you got a sheet full? Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a small essay, is it? <laughs> But test it. Test, test the scriptures. Test it. We're asked to do that. Yeah, we go through hard times, but we're justified through our faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Have faith and believe in him. Believe that he will bring you through the hard times, that he's developing his child. He's growing you, each one of us, as children. He wants us to mature and have characters like Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that hundreds of years ago, men and women gave up their lives so that the word of God uh, could be printed in a way that each one of us can read it uh, in our own leisure, in our own time, that we could be enlightened by the truths of Jesus Christ uh, by the teachings of so many within this word. And we thank you, Father. Father, help each one of us uh, to grow our faith. Help us to grow stronger in our understanding of you. But Father, urge us, I pray, to read scripture, to spend time asking your spirit to help us discern. And Father, I pray 
that each one of us will turn more and more to you instead of our own strength. Father, we thank you for the saving grace of Jesus Christ on the cross. And all it takes for us is to believe. Father, I thank you that I know many of my brothers and his sisters here will be spending eternity together with you. Praise your holy name. Amen.